Welcome back, everyone. We are on episode six, about halfway through season one of the Sit Down Community Podcast. I am your host, Stephanie Shaw, and I am so excited to have my friend Shelly here talking with us today. I'm going to let her take it away as we get into our next conversation. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much yeah. for having me. Um, a quick introduction. Uh, so my name is Shelly Armstrong. I um, am your wonderful resident queer today. Um, I do I identify as bisexual. Uh, pronouns are she, they. And um, I've been a Christian for a while, for, for almost a little over 10 years. Um, and uh, yeah, look. Um, I, I carry many hats, many hats. We will get into those, I think, in the conversation, but, but uh, yeah, take it away. Yeah, perfect. Thanks for that introduction and just letting us know a little bit about you. Um, you know, it's interesting for those of you listening, uh, you know, Shelly and I have known each other since grad school and, um, and it's neat to just have friends where even in disagreements or different beliefs or, or theology or ways to approach faith as a whole, you can still remain friends. It was funny. I was talking to a few people and, you know, they saw the set list for this season and their immediate thought was, well, why would you have a conversation with someone you disagree with? And I'm like, well, what about all the other topics and the disagreements that could come out of that? And I had to check some people of, even though, you know, you can agree with me, Shelly, you and I disagree on so many different things and so many different dimensions and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and even as we were praying before this conversation started, it was very much, it's not about self-proclaimed rightness, wrongness. It's about God's love and its capacity to just bring freedom that nothing else could ever, you know, bring or satisfy and give to us. So for those of you listening, we would just pray and ask, like, just be generous and grace, um, that this is a conversation. And it also, um, I believe really brings, um, joy to the Lord's heart that we're having these conversations that we're not avoiding them because of generations of avoidance. Um, but that we can have conversations, even if we disagree and we can look back at the scripture, we can still love each other. And so that's really the point of not only this conversation between Shelly and I, but all the rest of the episodes too. Um, there's conversations on parenthood, there's conversations on how to approach the Bible and theology. There's conversations on ministry, Um, and so it's really important to also remember just even scriptures in first Corinthians of, you know, the ear is not going to say to the hand, I don't need you. We're all, um, part of the body and we all have different functions and gifts. And so it's really important to, to understand that too. So with that, Shelly's going to dive into her story, um, a little testimony if we want to get Christianese about it, but just kind of her experience navigating, finding God, um, what ha- that has looked like individually, but also her interactions with the church. So with that, I'll let you start. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty fluent in Christianese, so I might, it, yeah. it's, it's a lot of unlearning that I'm doing right now, but, but, uh, yeah, I gotta, I, I gotta, I gotta hand it to you. It'll probably slip out. It'll probably slip out. That is okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. So, so luckily the church that I started in is not the church that I'm a part of now uh, for a lot of different reasons, but um, yeah, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. 
my parents are very, um, very, very new age, probably would be the best way I would know how to describe it. Um, uh, my mom does believe in God in some aspects, um, very, very much almost like just a very like Oprah kind of like, kind of like, uh, thought process there is the only way I really know how to describe that one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't really grow up in a Christian home and my sister got divorced, uh, when I was about 18, that they're much older than me. And she started going to this church, um, Protestant, non-denominational background, um, not a, uh, not a Pentecostal, not a a Catholic, not anything like that. It was just non-denominational straight to the point. Um, and that's where I first met Jesus. Um, and it really shaped because I kind of grew up with not a whole lot of direction and not a whole lot of identity, um, that kind of started to shape kind of what I, how I began to see myself, how I began to see other people, how I began to relate to other people. Um, and my, my sexuality didn't really come into question until my early twenties. So that was maybe, you know, four or five years later. Um, and as soon as I started having a lot of those, a lot of these questions or a lot of different circumstances that were going on in my life at the time, it was like everybody in the church kind of like dissolved and like went away because nobody wants to have these conversations, right? Nobody wants to sit down and go, well, tell me all about your feelings. Like nobody, right? Like nobody really wants to like mm-hmm. really in the that. depth. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and, and I don't think the white evangelical churches that I was a part of did not want to have those conversations at all. Um, and that's why I don't engage in the, in the evangelical spaces anymore, um, because of those first interactions where I would, I would try to still, I mean, I'm 22 at this point. I don't know anything about anything other than like, I believe in Jesus, but I also have these feelings and like, what do you do with them? Mm -hmm. Um, and so it wasn't even, a. It was never even like a, like a just pray it away situation. And I do want to touch on the film a little bit later, Mm -hmm. Um, but it was never like that. It was just crickets. Like there was no conversation at all. It was never like, just pray it away. You'll be fine. Um, um, You know, here are like some resources or whatever. It was none of that. So I think. I think just naturally I left that space because if you're not willing to engage with me, like I, I don't have anything to give you anymore. And so I, I left the church um, and I just found, I, I left the church when I was about 23 and came back when I was about 25 ish. So about two, I took about two years off. Um, and I always, the, the funny thing about God is like once once like once you understand spirit it doesn't go away like that like it's like a I don't want to like be crude but it's almost like a tick (laughs) right it just doesn't it does spirit just never really goes away and so like I when I was about 25 I was like okay like I really need to start going back like 
God's calling me back. Like I, I can, I can do this. And I, and I eventually found a space, um, uh, I, I found a space where I found people that were affirming, but the church as a whole was not, it was still a white evangelical church. It was still, uh, very much, um, non-affirming. Um, and even though they were very friendly to, to my wife and I, um, they were never actively, um, engaging with us or actively engaging in conversation, um, to figure out like maybe what like our theology was or ways that they could engage in, in other congregation members who might be questioning or anything like that. So it was still the crickets, right? They mm -hmm. still, they were like, okay, like you're, you're welcome here, but you're not wanted here. Mm -hmm. It was very much that sort of environment. <clears throat> and so now I found ways to connect with God and the church, more of what my beliefs are now. Um, and I've done a lot of and I know like the hot term right now is deconstruction, right? Yeah. That's <laughs> I thought I loved that term and I'm like, mm, do I love it right now? I'm not sure. <laughs> um, well, we can, I mean, that's definitely something we talk about Yeah. Uh, right sure. now. I'm definitely working on deconstructing and unlearning a lot of what was taught to me in those spaces um, because they're ju they just don't align with what I believe now. Um, yeah. and, I, and I think it's very, their teachings are very, can be very specific. Um, and so I'm definitely unlearning, you know, a lot of that Christianese, a lot of that sort of language. Um, so that's kind of how I started. And, and where I'm at now is I, uh, my church looks very different now. Mm -hmm. um, um, I don't go to church every Sunday. Couldn't tell you the last time I stepped in foot in a church. Um, but I have friends who are believers. I have really good friends um, who are. I have. Um, I attend a book study led by the wonderful, wonderful Drew Hart and Jared McKenna through the Inverse podcast. Um, they run Subversive Seminary um, and they really dissect scripture um, and sort of flip it. Um, basically, I mean, they, they use the word kind of flip it on its head um, to tr try to understand really what it's like um, to live how Jesus lived. And I think mm -hmm. if you're looking at just bare theology and following Jesus. Like that's what we should really be focusing on is, mm. is what did he do in the context of his life? And then how do we replicate it now? Mm. Um, because I think that's like, I, I just, I keep things very simple. And so if it's, if it's overly complicated, like I'm not super big into theology, but I can, I can appreciate it. I can appreciate right. the different parts of it. Um, but if the basis is like, what do you like? What do you mean you're a Christian? Well, that by definition is to follow Jesus. And then what does that look like? So I think that like, that's, that's kind of where I'm at now. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Um, let's start off two things. I think deconstruction would actually be a, a fun thing to start with. And then we can talk more about identity through, um, through the Trinity. And what does that look like to engage with father, son, and spirit? Um, let's talk about, you know, I can just both share our journeys through deconstruction. Um, I would say I'm kind of in the reconstruction phase, um, and you are deconstructing. So I think that would be 
really neat for people just to hear both sides. Um, so for me, I can start first. Uh, my faith deconstruction was rooted in deep, uh, anger for the church, but also leaders, um, who I had too high of an expectation for, I would argue. Um, I had this weird, kind of false narrative in my mind that when you follow Jesus, somehow perfection (laughs) follows and we will never attain that in our human condition. I believe that. Um, and so I think that was damaging to, um, my growth and generosity of grace and mercy and, um, really a heart check of if I want people to have grace and mercy for me, why is it so hard to do it for them too? Especially when grace is undeserved favor. Uh, and then I think of when the scripture talks about how many times do we forgive seven times 70, that's 470 times. I might not even have 470 encounters with the people I'm saying I'm angry with. Um, so what does that look like? So back when I moved to Detroit in 2018, um, before I went, I really prayed and I asked God, I said, something's not right here. And the way I in it, like just interacted with the Lord was pretty legalistic. Um, God wasn't really approachable. He wasn't soft and sensitive enough, uh, for me to approach, uh, or at least that's how we interacted at that phase in my faith. And it was frustrating because I wanted to feel that deep love that I now feel, Um, and so I was really angry that God didn't seem like the kind of God with that love. And I was actually talking to my mom about this the other day. And she said, why do you feel like you were so angry when you got through the deconstruction where all the bricks were just laid out before you? And I think my short answer is I was mad because I felt like I got the watered down God. I got the watered down Jesus. I got the watered down Holy Spirit. Um, I didn't get the same power that I feel now within my own personal walk with the Lord, but also in the new church community I'm a part of. And so I think I was a little bit bitter and resentful of I didn't get the God who's as gracious as he is. I didn't get the God who's as loving as he truly is. I didn't get the God who wrote every single one of my days into his book before I had one. I didn't get um, to really see that God and what was being preached. And I was at church three times a week. Um, So for me, I kind of felt cheated in that regard of where is this God everyone's talking about? and Why don't I feel connected to him? And so 2018 started that and it was messy. It was ugly. It was full of a lot of tears, a lot of hatred, a lot of questioning um, the very people who God has placed in my life um, to edify my faith journey, but also to make sure I'm leaning on God and not their voices. Um, And so I really, I don't even know where I really began. I think for me, it was a lot of journaling, a lot of reading the word and surrounding myself with people who knew the word, uh, who took time to not only read it, but to understand it, to um, just invite depth where I think we are so quick to stay shallow because it's safe and comfortable. And so for me, it was really figuring out who is God to me? Who is Jesus? Who's the Holy Spirit? 
And seven years ago, so I was roughly 20, I was doing an internship in the Bay Area. And I remember telling God, I said, I'm done praying to you. Um, you don't hear me and you don't listen to me either. And now I'm like, yikes, <laughs> you know, but it's one of those things where I really think I needed to say that. Uh, God didn't need me to say that, but it was probably just something that pleased him for me to actually say out loud instead of hold in, like I'd been holding in for years. And so then fast forward to when I started deconstructing, um, that was the first summer where I started praying, really, truly praying, getting images and words from God, uh, operating more in the prophetic and what that looks like and intercession and praying deeply for people, um, And so then going into working in Detroit, where there is so much uh, just generational trauma and oppressive systems in place that have carried five decades of poverty and uh, just so many different things. That's a whole nother conversation. But to be sitting within the weight of that, um, I think I saw the side of what does it look for me being a white female in America with all the privilege in the world, truly to be in a space that is uh, multi-generational, multi-ethnic and racial, multi-cultural, different traditions, different religions. I mean, they say um, that Detroit has the um, highest amount of churches and the least amount of people who attend which is fascinating. Um, and I think it really speaks to who we see as God. Um, and so navigating that, it was like, all right, God, who are you to me? And Jesus, who are you? And, and Holy Spirit, who are you? Um, and inviting that personal connection. And I still at that point was very much independent. I could do everything. I was everything. Google was my best friend when I didn't have anyone. And that, and that's another story as well, but really navigating that of God, I do need you. And Jesus, I do need you. Holy spirit. I do need you all around me. And so for me, as I've deconstructed, I don't, I would argue I didn't get to that level of intimacy until I started reconstructing. So I would say the two and a half years I was in Detroit was very much deconstruction. It was being mad. It was choosing forgiveness. It was healing. It was, um, as a social worker, still going to therapy. Like we have our own trauma and other people's trauma brings that up. Shelly is also a social worker. Um, and so, For me, it was very much two and a half years felt like forever. It felt like I was just in this abyss and it was woe is me. And it was really dark. Um, I battled depression during that time um, because I was really battling with God of letting go of my flesh so I could gain the spirit. And the word kind of talks about it in a way that makes me think of a tug of war almost of we're battling God and we're pulling on the rope of no, but I want it my way. I want it this way. And often this way can be flesh worldly versus the spirit and living consecrated. And so for me, it was very much a tug of war season. And then when I got to Dallas to wrap up my master's program, that really felt like, okay, Lord, there's all these bricks before me, 
what do I do with them? Like, I can't build this by myself. I need you. And so instead of it being something where it was just about me and I could handle everything and God was just kind of there, um, it was, Lord, let's pick up the brick together and build up what this is. And so for me, I always kind of make this joke of, if you've seen the Amanda Bynes movie where she goes to Britain to go find her dad, uh, there's a scene in the movie and she goes into the kitchen for like a late night snack. And that's very much how I encountered God. It was the lights are out. It's dark. It's the midnight hour. Um, scripture often refers to the midnight hour as those dark seasons of our life where we're going through it. And that just was so relatable to me of like God's in the kitchen up in heaven. Like it's the midnight hour and we're about to eat some like cocoa crispies type of thing. And that was a safe God for me because I felt stuck in this dark season of wanting light, knowing it was coming, but also struggling with trusting that God had me. And it's been neat now that I'm still in that reconstruction of we've kind of transitioned to God's on the throne and there's a lot of light because his light casts out all darkness. And that was a really hard place to come to though, is recognizing God's not in some kitchen, like he's on the throne. He's so powerful. And yet he's also so gentle. And then with Jesus, um, I think my relationship with him very much became, um, he was kind of the last person I, (laughs) I felt like I connected to in that intimate way in that, um, he's the very one who gives me access to God, the father and spirit. And yet I didn't really realize I didn't know him. And so I started talking specifically to Jesus in my prayers, because when you look at the word, they asked him all the time, teach us how to pray. He was like our ultimate teacher. And so I started talking to Jesus. I said, Jesus, I want to seek and know your face because you asked me to do that. And that was um, January of 2020. So before this whole cluster of a pandemic started, Jesus said, seek and know my face. And it came in an image um, of father, son, and Holy spirit. And the father and the son disappeared and it, or father and spirit disappeared. and, And Jesus came closer and it was Jesus on the cross. And then it was just Jesus before me. And for me, um, as I've navigated the beauty of his death for my freedom, it's, it's been neat that it's not this whitewashed Jesus who's transcendent on a cloud up to heaven. And like the glory of the glow is all around him. It is the Jesus of the cross that wore a crown of thorns and was bleeding and sweating and probably caked in dirt from bringing the cross up the hill. And that for me is the beauty of Jesus. That is him giving everything for me to live different. So for me, it was, it became such a disservice for me not to read my Bible intentionally every day, not to pray every day because he gave me the ultimate gift. And then with Holy spirit, it was very much, wow, I need protection. Like, I think we also love to avoid that Satan's real and that the schemes of the enemy are very much real. Um, and so I think for me, it's been navigating, what does it look like to ask the Holy spirit to be my protector, to put a veil over me of protection, um, that even if the enemy comes for me, I'm still covered. Um, so I think for me, now that I'm in the reconstruction phase, 
it feels like very much a sweet spot because even though I'm transitioning um, into really a pivot of what my career is going to look like and the ministry I'm doing in previous seasons, I would have been very stressed out about that. But in this one, I have peace because even though I don't know the details, God does. And because I know the character of the Trinity and just my connection and closeness, I think I have a lot more peace. So that's my side. That was a lot longer than I was expecting, but it's all right. We're good. we got plenty of time. Um, Shelly, why don't you share kind of where you're at with deconstruction? So before I get into that, for some random reason, I had a total thought about that movie. Yes. Like this morning. <laughs> so it's really crazy. Like that you have that. So image. Funny. Like, I was just like randomly thinking about it. Yeah. Um, because I absolutely adore that movie. It's one of that my movie favorites. Is the greatest. Um, I miss Amanda Bynes and I hope that she's getting the help that she needs, but that's a whole other podcast. So <laughs> yeah, right. I need her to come back to acting because those movies are just phenomenal. What a girl wants was just really so it's such a such I was like, and I'm gonna go to Britain and find my man. <laughs> I did, but found a woman. So. <laughs> so and and Britain's not as uh not as glamorous as they made it seem. <laughs> right. But um um yeah anyway so I I I you talking about reconstruction I feel like I'm somewhere kind of in the middle okay the way that you sort of described it so I'm um with deconstruction I really started to take a look at the theology of why because my my whole thing was like like apologetics right you should know why you believe what you believe Hmm. And for the longest time, I was in those white evangelical spaces where it was, um, you believe the set of things, you read the Bible this way, you pray this way, um, your political ideology is this way, um, but nobody really ever talked about why. And I think like mm-hmm. that's that's the thing where once I left the church and came back, um, it was still that very kind of surfacey thing, right? That thing that you talked about, right? Like people don't want to like really think about scripture or why they believe that like this particular thing happened or why did Mm -hmm. like just different things. It's like God Um, gave us a whole ocean and we want to jump in a puddle. It's like, right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so when I left, So I think it, when I left the second time, when I left the church I was attending, that was, um, I, I figured out that I didn't want to be in a place where marginalized voices weren't heard. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, in scripture, it talks about, um, you know, the, the last be first and the first be last, Mm -hmm. um, and really putting like, what does that look like in practice? And that looks like hearing voices that are traditionally marginalized. So what does it look like to be in a space where queer people have voices, indigenous people, black people of color, where they have a space to share their experiences and then how they relate to God. And I think that was like a huge part of where I was like, okay, why, like, what then why do I believe like those voices should actually be heard? It's because they're not. And and that's really important. And if and if Jesus says, you know, let the first be last, last be first, 
then we should actually put that into practice. Mm-hmm. Um, and we should hear, you know, what those voices have to say and how they relate to the church. And so I knew that I needed to find another space um, to, to really explore God. And I think um, we're always taught to seek God, right? You mentioned like seek his face, know his face. Um, and there's definitely truth to that. Um, but I really like the term like exploring God a little better um, mm. because I find like there's more to like ex- explore and discover and like with seeking, it almost seems like it's a job. Mm. Like I like have to find something. I'm constantly looking for something. Like I lose my keys every day. I'm constantly trying to find my damn keys. Like mm. I don't want to find my keys. Um, but like I found God and now what? Like if I know God and I know Jesus and I know spirit and I know the Trinity and I like know what I believe relating to that, um, then that allows me to like, let me explore God. And what does it mean to know Jesus? What does it mean to, you know, Jesus taught to, you know, to be life-giving and healing to others, like through his ministry. Like if that's all he did, not, that's not like all he did, but like right. Primary, right. primary, right. If you had to sum it up, Maybe. Yeah. Healing complex and yet simple at the same time yeah, exactly that's that would be on my tombstone <laughs> yeah i was complex and yet simple at the same time <laughs> yeah. exactly mm-hmm. um um and so if like that's what he did then like how do i do that better mm-hmm. um and i'm i think within that culture of like trying to figure this all out um it's really important to like have like to have people to like, like you, for example, mm-hmm. uh, um, to, to be able to like bounce things off of. And I have really good friends. And the one thing I love about the, the queer community as a whole is we do really, really well at like chosen family. Um, because while I was super, super lucky to be born into a, an, an affirming family and everything, you know, my, my family was great. Um, it's really important to have family that are chosen in the sense of like, I can be my full authentic self um, because there are areas in my family that I can't do that Um, just for various different reasons. But so we do that really, really well. Um, And we welcome people um, who are marginalized and create such a community out of those spaces. Um, and so I think like in the context of like my deconstruction, I'm really looking for community in the sense of how do I be my most authentic self? Because that's in, in my own convictions is like how we see God, like how others see God in me, mm-hmm. right? Because if we're supposed to be made in, you know, in God's image, if we're a reflection of that, if we're a reflection of love, then, then I would want like to be around people that I can do that authentically with. Mm -hmm. And then people will see God from that. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So I'm kind of in the middle of like, I am completely flipping upside down everything that I ever thought I believed in. And I'm really trying to like, 
ask those really hard questions because if you're not allowing questions, you're just eliminating any chance for growth or and diminishing different ways of experiencing and discovering God in those places. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm just I'm really kind of at the at a at a middle, and I think there's something really um, there's something like really sweet about like you mentioned like knowing Jesus right there's something really sweet about knowing like that Jesus came to like sit and walk with us and be with us right God is with us Mm -hmm. and I think if we're really sitting with Jesus and like being in places where like our existence, our straight existences are affirmed because it's one thing to be like, Oh, um, you can, you can be this way, but like you can't show it and you can't act on it and you can't, um, like, you can't do anything with your sexuality or your gender or any way that you, you know, you seem to identify. Um, I think like, that's not life-giving. It's not, you know, if you look at like the suicide rates of people who are in the LGBT community, it's through the roof, right? It's not really life-giving. If we are looking at so if we're looking at Galatians, right, if you're, you know. Uh, if you want to pull out your Bible, people. <laughs> scripture. Oh, goodness. What is it? Galatians 5, right? The fruit of the, uh, like fruit of, like teaching should really be rooted in the fruit of the spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Um, and really looking at how the lives of these teachings like affect people who are like in the queer community, like if we're really looking at those lives and how those like non-affirming teachings affect them, it's not a a fruit of the spirit, right? It's, it's not good fruit. And in Matthew seven, you know, the author says, by go over Galatians real quick. (laughs) Sure. No, I love, I love a good exegesis. But it's interesting too, and not to cut you off, but in Galatians six, the, the header is carry one's, one another's burdens. And then I've been reading in second Corinthians and it talks about how God is the God of comfort. So even though we're navigating these different parts of our identity, like for me, I think as a whole, not even just, um, heterosexuality versus homosexuality it's are we giving our sexuality over to god are we giving not only that part of who we are are we giving our comfort are we giving our control are we giving our love our grace um, our mercy are we giving uh, our conversations over to the authority of God, uh, like second Corinthians. So it's second Corinthians one, the God of comfort, blessed be the God and father, our Lord, Jesus Christ, the father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. 
Um, for just as the suffering of Christ overflows to us, so also through Christ, our comfort overflows. If we are afflicted, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces a new patient endurance of the same suffering that we suffer, talking about what he's going through in the Bible. And our hope for you is firm because we know that as you share in the sufferings, so you will also share in comfort. I mean, that's a whole, I mean, we're, we're diving into things that could be their own episodes, right. Of the world, because Satan has, was given dominion over it, but we are also given power to subdue it. It says that in Genesis of God created us to subdue the earth, which I love that it pisses the devil off because it's like, ha like we got you, but, um, I think it's one of those things of, are we truly sitting in affliction, knowing that we're able to comfort each other in it? Um, So that was a little bit of a tangent off of that scripture, but um, that's just how these run because these are chill conversations, you know what I'm saying? Um, But yeah, and then you were going into Matthew, I believe next, right? Yeah. Matthew seven, it says by your fruit, you recognize them. And if you know, Jesus doesn't ask us to, you know, parade around with a cross on our neck or Bible verses like an Instagram captions, but to really explore what it means to have good fruit. And so like, if we're supposed to be a, a like a byproduct of, of the fruit of the spirit, then like, just because people say that something is biblical doesn't really make it inherently good or life-giving, right? You can't just like, I mean, people do. Yeah, I don't know. I kind of disagree with that in the sense of the Bible is my greatest authority. And I think, I guess it's the ways in which we engage with scripture differently, not even just you and I, but just everybody. Um, Right. Right. And so like in, in, in saying that, right. Like if you look at God, like is depicted all throughout scripture as life-giving and, and like the, the way that I examine scripture and the way that I view scripture is always through the lens of love, because if God is love, like you say, the Bible is like your ultimate authority. And I think for me, like God is my ultimate authority. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, I, I flip it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, if God by definition is love, then, then that's, that frames everything else for me. Mm-hmm. Um, that I, I keep it very simple that way. Um, because if my life isn't life giving to other people or is harmful to other people, or my theology is harmful to other people. Um, and if I'm inflicting shame or hurt on other people, and if, you know, God is supposed to, you know, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. Then like, I should believe that and act that way. Mm-hmm. And my life that way because if I'm modeling my life off of Jesus and that's what that looks like yeah um, let's pause real quick I think you made a really good point about God being our ultimate authority and then and the and the Bible being an authority as well how do you engage in scripture because for me it's like I see God in this I see Jesus in it I see the Holy Spirit I also see humanity I see you know the things that we like to argue are not present today are still very much within the scripture. I'm like, no, we've been crazy forever, fam. Like, you know, so I think I agree with you. God is our ultimate authority, but, um, 
but how do we see the word as an authority as well? Because it is the living, breathing word of God. It is what was desired to be, you know, passed down for centuries and generations to generations of, I think Mm -hmm. why I hold authority to it is really because people died so that I would be able to read this book in 2021. Um, And so there's that question for you of how to navigate finding the Lord, uh, you know, Jesus and the Holy Spirit in it, but also um, just furthering your response as you've been deconstructing of who is God to you? Who is Jesus? Who's the Holy Spirit? Do you have similar encounters like I shared? Are they different? What does that look like for you? So, so your first question was to, was like, how do I, how do I view scripture? How do I view scripture now? And how do you find God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit? How do you find the full character and image of God within the word? So I, I think I view scripture now almost in like two parts mm-hmm. um, because I can acknowledge that it was a spiritual account. Um, but I've also, and, and we can debate theology all day long, um, yeah. <laughs> but, this, but like, like, so I can, I can appreciate it as a, as a historical account. Um, I can appreciate um, the, the historical validity of it. Um, but I also understand that it was translated um, throughout different generations and different uh, definitions of different words, how they were translated. Um, and so I, I, I can, I can respect it um, as, as the word, and I can, I can respect it, um, as, um, as a, as a historical account. Um, but I also, um, read it more of, more of like a guide than a person. I have found that people tend to create the Bible as like a fourth person of the Trinity. And I'm more focused on on the, like I'm more focused on how do I interact with, with the Trinity as the way that I see it. um, Then how do I read a book necessarily? Mm. Because the way that you read it, and view it and interpret it is going to be way different than I do it way different than everyone else does it. Right. You feel like you've learned who God is outside of the word more than you have through reading the word. Yes. Okay. I have found, I, I find God in my relation to God in a thousand different places and a thousand different ways, right? So um, I find God in nature and I find God in art and I find God in, um, you know, playing with my nephews. Like I find, like I've, I've found God as a, as a, as creator, as a being, as, as, 
um, something that I hold a, a, a high relationship with. Like that is like, like God is like mm. the end all be all for me. Um, but I think when, when it comes to actually living how Jesus lived, we have a framework for that. That's in scripture and I can appreciate it. Um, but I think why I'm very cautious now with scripture is I've seen what it does to harm people and I've seen what it does to what it's been done to harm myself, what it's been done to, um, you know, not be affirming, not be life-giving, not be healing, not be, you know, all these things that Jesus is. Um, and so it becomes a very, like a cautionary tale, right? I'll, I can, I can read it in my own, uh, my own lens, my own perspective. Um, but I also recognize that it's been translated a thousand times. I can recognize that it's been done to cause a lot of harm. I can recognize, um, basically just how good and bad it is. And if God is just good, then I would rather put my time, energy, and spirit into something that is good and life-giving and healing mm -hmm. than read something that people can modify to their own devices. But right? let me challenge you with this. So with that, that's such a good point because, um, and I'm going to bring an example into this. Do you find everything you've been sharing in, in this last few minutes of um, people using the Bible against anyone and everyone, people taking out of context what it says to take only what appeases them or makes more sin more palatable or makes their ungraciousness more okay. Mm -hmm. um, do you feel like we, similar to when I was saying um, that I held too much expectation for church leadership, um, and just the Christian body as a whole, I think for me, I blamed God versus acknowledging the human condition of his people that even though we have the spirit, it doesn't mean we choose the spirit. So we're still walking that line between flesh and spirit. Um, I was, I was thinking, I was talking to actually a few friends recently and they've gone through, you know, breakups and it's been challenging. Uh, they were mad at God for the behavior of someone else. So instead of being angry with the person who inflicted the pain or, you know, caused, um, offense, they blamed God for it. And do you feel like we do that? um, in Christianity often of blaming and not liking God because of his people. Does that make sense? I know that people have walked away from the church because of how they were treated. Right. Um, myself being one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was never something that I blamed God for mm. because I, because I knew God. Okay. Right. It's like, I wouldn't blame god for anything that my wife does i blame my wife for that <laughs> right but like for the I people who don't do that and they do blame god how would you um how would you challenge them to really looking at the source of their offense you mean like people who have walked away from 
walked away from God because they blame God for, you know, life being hard or life being uncomfortable or relationships not working out or, um, you know, uh, churches and Christian leaders and just Christians as a whole being, you know, very offensive and, and unloving. Yeah. And this is where, this is where like my social work bleeds into my life Mm -hmm. and and it's very natural, right? It's very second nature. Um, um, Everybody has their own uh, reasons for why they do things. And so if somebody blames God for um, uh, uh, so I could have blamed God for when my dad died right? I could have um, blamed God for a lot of things that have happened. Um, But I, I, there are things within the human condition and and life itself that um, there's a modality of therapy um, called dialectical dialectical behavior therapy. And within that, talks about radical acceptance. And there are things that you have to radically accept in order to heal. Um, And I think radical acceptance looks like being able to let go of a lot of um, hurt and a lot of pain um, and just accepting things for what they are. Um, You know, when my mom was diagnosed with cancer, I had a hard time accepting that. Yeah. <laughs> but I but you but you do and you have to. And so just radically accepting things for what they are. Um, which also means like there are there would never be in a situation, I think, where I would blame God for something um because uh, just of the world that we live in. Mm -hmm. right we just have to accept the world that we live in um and i would never say that to invalidate somebody's experience Mm -hmm. uh, or or say no you can't blame god you definitely can Um, can handle it but but, right but like how i guess my question would be like how would that be healing overall um because i have a much there are times where i look back at when my father was passing um, and I was praying for that not to happen, Mm -hmm. right? Um, But coming to terms with it happening and accepting that it happened um, and it didn't modify my view of God. God was still in those moments and he was still there um, carrying my family through that. Um, and I think that that's where, um, um, you know, I, I hold a belief that God has no gender. Um, he was, I mean, for all we know, he was assigned a male as, as Jesus incarnate. Um, but God is a being, um, you know, there's to me that there's father God, and then there's mother God, there are very feminine qualities of God. Um, and so I, you know, I look at the I look at how I interacted with God throughout that experience and it was very mothering. It was very nurturing. It was very, um, uh, a, a gracious and sweet part of 
that relationship. Um, and I think there are a thousand ways that people, you know, can can hold their relationship with God in the in the context of the human condition. Mm. Um, and people do that every day. You know, I'm not. I would never be one to say, you know, my experience or my my um, outlook on theology or my outlook on Jesus is the right way. Um, and I think the church has a really hard time with that. Um, instead of just trying to introduce people to to Jesus as a whole, I think we're all trying to run around trying to save people. And if we know anything in uh, in social work, you can't save everybody, and you can't you can hardly save anybody, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And so, if we're all running around trying to like get people saved or whatever, like people aren't being introduced. To, to Jesus and to God as love and, and, and what that looks like and what that means. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if we focused, if the church focused more on that, specifically the white evangelical church as a whole, if they focus more on that, I would take a bet that, and I do bet sometimes, but I would take a bet that they would actually probably get more people in their doors um, and more people staying to hear what they had to say. Mm-hmm. than if I walk into a church and they're, you know, cramming salvation down my throat and trying to, you know, um, you know, get me to, to completely, you know, change who I am, uh, you know, change who, who God made me and designed and created. And I think if we look at scripture, it models that more than you know, somebody who doesn't. Yeah. No, thank you for sharing that. That was a lot, but no, you're good. And I (laughs) think it's, it's interesting. And you and I haven't had a conversation before because it's interesting. You see father and mother within God. I think for me, I, I disagree with that. Not because of like full understanding of who God is, but I think I believe God can be nurturing, um, and have that trait, I guess, in essence, I would see God as like a a male presence. Um, and I think that's been a lot of having to navigate how culture defines masculine and feminine, um, and how we have both within us and the capacity to, to see what that looks like and really explore what that looks like. I think for me, it's like, I I think I mentioned it earlier, um, uh, for me, you know, God has so much power. He could make rain start. He could flood the entire earth. And yet it says, um, I believe it's Psalms 18, 35. It says your gentleness has made me great. So even though he is this strong, mighty, powerful God, he's also gentle which shows that strength and nurture together. So I think that's really interesting. Um, but as we, as we're kind of wrapping up, cause I want to be, um, aware of time, let's end with, um, first, just how would you, so that second part of the question was, how do you relate to God? How do you relate to Jesus? How do you relate to Holy spirit? Is it similar or different than even how I was explaining it earlier? And then let's just wrap up with what are some practical tips um, to really understanding that 
we all have the opportunity to belong to God when we accept Jesus into our lives. And so what does that look like? So first, um, just your relation to the Trinity and then, and then let's wrap up with those practical encouragements. So I think my, my, my relation to the, the Trinity now is like, I, I love decompartmentalizing things. I, I find that I do that very well. And especially in my work, I'm able to do that. Um, and so it's almost like depending on what I need is what part I go to, <laughs> right? And so they, my, my spiritual practices definitely look different. Um, I see... God, Jesus, and spirit in a, in a very, uh, much broader context. Um, and I think I, but, but the context is always sort of viewed the same as like, where can I, um, where can I find God and where can I explore each part of the Trinity through just everyday sort of practices, right? So um, this, to some people, this people are not gonna understand this, but you know, I find God when I practice yoga, right? Um, I find God um, in other cultures outside of white spaces, um, outside of, um, I live in a very, um, a, a not a very diverse town. So, um, you know, finding God in different cultures or finding, discovering God and, and relating to the Trinity in places where I never would have thought of. Um, I think, um, I think a lot of the times the church wants to give us like a to-do list and a checklist and a, and, you know, this is what you do. And, and this is how um, people can see God. And I think I put God in a box um, in, in a lot of the, the white evangelical spaces, put God in a box of these are the only acceptable ways that you can experience God, or this is the only way that you can experience Jesus. or this is the only way that you can relate to spirit or whatever the case might be. And, and I think the minute that I, that I stepped outside of that space and go, well, wait a minute, like I can find God in the grocery store if I wanted to, like I spend most of my time grocery shopping because I really like to cook. So I find God when I'm cooking or whatever the case might be. And so I, I've found that instead of just doing like what was acceptable, you know, it's that perfectionism, right? Mm-hmm. I want to be the absolute perfect Christian. Mm-hmm. First of all, that's never going to, that's, no, <laughs> that's not attainable. Right. So like if I find ways, you know, I, I, I find God in more areas and I, then I allow spirit to guide me in those experiences. Right. Like if I'm in yoga and I'm in a really good stretch, um, or if I'm in a really, um, 
tight situation. All right, God, we're going to finagle this and we're going to, we're going to do this together. And, and, you know, God will meet me in those places and, and, um, and, you know, being able to meditate and pray and, and, um, still find different ways of relating to each part. Um, like it, it basically gives you like more options. Um, I'm a real big kind of choice person. I want a lot of choices with choices with things. Um, and I want, like, I want to know, I really want to know God as God is and not just what was always taught to me. Um, I want to know, okay, if God is really life-giving and healing, then what does that look like? And I think I really had to find a space where, um, where it was safe to start asking those questions and really look for those life-giving conversations and reflections. And by being in a space where I can ask questions and grow in those ways, then I encounter God even more so than I did. Mm -hmm. Um, I encountered Jesus um, in more places, right? if I continuously stay open to like all of the different ways that you can um, experience any religion, not just even Christianity, if you stay open to those things, like God will even reveal himself in other places and other ways and in other um, encounters. And I think, that was probably the biggest part of my, you know, going back to deconstruction, I think it's really the more that we pick apart sort of why we believe what we believe and, and where we're coming from and what was taught to us. Um, God really shows up in those places. Mm-hmm. Um, not so much that we can get it right, but that we can understand God more. Yeah. That's awesome. And then as we wrap up, what are some just practical pieces of encouragement? I mean, you just shared just some different ways that you, you find the Lord and and find his presence, but um, maybe just two or three things that have really kept you within the faith um, instead of, you know, I think it's really easy for us in our deconstruction to get to the point where everything's out on the floor and it's overwhelming the idea of reconstructing what was already exhausting to deconstruct. Mm -hmm. So how do we stay encouraged? So for, for me, it it was finding that safe place. And I know that, um, you know, I was, I was very privileged um, in the fact that I, I, um, I know that there are people who um, cannot come out. Um, that there are people who cannot be their true authentic self um, in in their in their church spaces, and I and I respect and honor that. Um, and so, if 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 it's safe for for you to do so, then I I encourage everybody to come out and be their true authentic self. But I recognize that that's not the case for everyone, um, because finding those safe places. Um, and safe people were really, um, really important uh, for how I started to interact 
um, with God. It allowed me to um, really pull back the lens of everything that I was taught originally and, and really, um, I would say in, in a lot of ways, my relationship with God is a lot stronger than it was while I was in those spaces because all I was doing was acting on impulse and acting on um, what was deemed acceptable to do in those spaces. Um, and now I get to finally do it for myself. And what does it look like? Um, and what, is, what does God look like to me now? Um, you know, God looks way different now than, than God did when I was in those spaces um, because it's very routine. It's very scripted. It's very, um, this is what's expected of you. This is how you're supposed to dress and act and behave and, and, you know, very legalistic, like you talked about earlier. Mm -hmm. So the more that I was able to pull that lens back and really talk about, talk about with, with other people, well, how do I, how can I still believe in Jesus if all of these people are using Jesus as a way to harm other people. And that never sat well with me. Um, and so I was able to find spaces where I could ask questions um, and, and really be encouraged by other people who were living the same sort of dichotomy that I was um, in, in knowing that I, that I, you know, love Jesus and, and, really am um, intrigued by Christianity, I would say. Um, what does that, what does that look like? And, and how that looks like is much different because I look at it from what Jesus did, how he lived. Um, you know, his ministry was to heal and bring life to people who were marginalized. Okay. How do I do that better? How do I love people better? How do I, engage with people, um, you know, who are much different than, than me. Um, you know, how do I engage with, um, indigenous people, indigenous cultures? How do I engage with, with black people or people of color? Like, how do I, um, acknowledge that God created all of this, um, and honor creator for what it is, um, instead of just doing everything that I was always taught, um, and I think that that's the one thing that kept me really rooted in my faith was that I always knew God and I always knew what I believed, but I could never really put my finger on it. And I think now I'm starting to be able to put my finger on it and go, okay, if God is, if God is this way and I see Jesus this way and, and I really, um, you know, see life and my interactions and engagement with others through the lens of loving people um, and healing people and being life-giving to people, um, then I'm going to do that um, to, to the best of my ability because that's what we were designed to do. I'm, I'm a firm believer that, um, you know, loving people is, is you know, the, the greatest gift that we ever have to, to one another. Um, and, you know, in the United States alone, there's thousands, you know, of denominations because nobody can agree on anything, <laughs> right? Humanity as a whole cannot agree on anything. Um, and so like, I, I find beauty in that. And I also find a lot of discomfort 
in that as well. Um, but I now find more comfort and beauty in God and creator and Jesus and spirit in ways that I can relate um, through that love lens, mm-hmm. I guess, um, than anything else. So I think my encouragement um, is really for, for anybody, not just people who are closeted or people who are questioning or coming out or have came out already and finding their themselves in this place of deconstruction and, and figuring out what they believe and if they believe at all. Um, but I think it's really to pull back the lens of what, um, like, what is the question that you, what, what is the one thing that you believe to be true? And then how are you going to model that? Or how are you going to live that? Um, because if I, the one thing that I know to be true is that Jesus was, you know, loving and, and life-giving and, and healing, then, okay, how do I do that? Mm-hmm. And I think everything else just comes from that. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you just for this conversation too. And just your transparency. I mean, you've always been one of my transparent friends that I can show up and be the same way with. So thank you. Um, I'm going to pray us out and then we will carry on with our days. Heavenly father, God, um, I just thank you for the ways in which, uh, your presence is, so full in and around us, God, that you truly have us covered, that you um, are just uh, generous in love with how you um, engage and have a relationship with us individually, but also within smaller groups and our families and friend circles, but also our communities, uh, where we work and our churches and the other spaces that um, you allow us to fill, Lord. Uh, we pray over this conversation. Uh, we pray that it just uh, encourages anyone listening. Um, and it also challenges them to take this conversation to their own community. Um, Lord, I just pray, you know, the mission of this podcast is to have conversations we often avoid having out of wanting a puddle versus a, the depth of an ocean, Lord. But would we just be magnetized and, and gravitate towards the depth, knowing that the depth is a really beautiful place um, and you're in it and you're present. Uh, Jesus, we thank you that you are our ultimate um, just person who shows us what sacrifice and sacrificial love looks like, who um, was gracious in your capacity to teach, Lord, um, to engage with all different people. Um, and Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are just our, our great protector and you move uh, all around us um, all day. Uh, so we just pray that we would invite um, just more conversations into our lives that we would really um, know you, God, intimately, but we would also serve people and we would grow and know that we can't do anything without community. So I pray these things. I just pray over everyone listening. Um, Would you remind everyone your capacity to sustain, even in the hardest seasons as we're still navigating um, the pandemic and just life being really hard and Afghanistan and even processing our grief 20 years later from 9-11, Lord. um, Would you just remind us how healing you truly are? So I pray this over everyone in Jesus name. Amen. 
Again, everybody, thanks so much for joining on another episode of the Sit Down Community Podcast. We can't wait to um, sit with you in the rest of these episodes. uh, And we just pray goodness over your day. See you next week.